Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm gonna tell you again, and I'm honestly not gonna stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl and Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Before getting into any of the episodes, we realized that last week when we did that entire debrief on the trailer, a 45-minute episode on a two-minute trailer, we somehow still missed a few things. I think we had outlined it pretty heavily, but I guess we just got distracted or there were just tangents along the way. I don't know how it's possible that we recorded that entire episode and missed stuff. By the way, it's not like we missed a lot, but there were a couple of key points that I think we both wanted to touch on. I mean, number one was the clip of Courtney saying to Tristan, you don't deserve Chloe, which talk about something we have wanted to watch someone say to him for so long. My question is with that is like, why is it still up for debate? It's like, yeah, of course it feels good to hear it be said. And of course it feels great knowing it's coming from Courtney and we've been waiting for somebody to say it to him. But like, why is it even a discussion? Like, why are we even entertaining the possibility that he might in any world be good enough or like have any chance again with Chloe? I do wonder the context because the way we're talking about it right now, it's you know, assuming that there was some romantic implication there. That's not necessarily the case. You know, like Courtney could be saying it in terms of, I don't think that you deserve how good Chloe is to you generally. I feel like them in a romantic capacity, meaning Chloe and Tristan, that ship has so sailed. And even if in the back of some of their minds, they believe there's a possibility she would take him back. I don't think anyone's voicing that. I don't think that it has anything to do with Chloe if it's in a romantic sense. Like, I think it is... Tristan on this continual journey after he fucks up of then trying to get her back. I don't think that he has grown and moved on from that. And so I think if he is still expressing that desire or exhibiting behaviors that would lead one to think that that is his end goal, that is where Courtney coming in and saying that could come into play. Also, like you said, it could just come into play in the sense of Chloe treats him really well and he is not deserving of how well she treats him based on his behavior towards her. But I do think that if it has something to do with them in like a quote romantic sense, it has nothing to do with Chloe or Chloe even potentially taking him back. It's just about the fact that if Tristan is still on this bullshit of trying, it almost makes me angrier. It's like, leave her alone. 
No, I mean, I obviously agree with that. There's almost a piece to that where it's more disrespectful if that is the case where he is continually trying. And I'm not saying it's the case. Obviously, he would be very open to that, but I don't know if outwardly he's still making moves as though he's actively trying to do that or talking to her family members as though that's a goal that he's really trying to accomplish, which is why since I've so removed that possibility in my head, this scene was even more interesting or more enticing to me because I was viewing it through the lens of Courtney saying, you know, you don't deserve Chloe in just the capacity of being as good of a friend to you as she is. Obviously, there's a a certain level of interaction that's going to need to take place because of the co-parenting. And obviously, you know, in the aftermath of his mom's passing, she really stepped up. But I'm I'm just curious the context of that conversation. That's something that I, I cannot wait to watch unfold. Well, me too. And going back to the conversation we were having about Chris in terms of the trailer and her relationship with Tristan and the potential fight that she gets into with Chloe about it. I'm curious if this conversation with Courtney and telling Tristan he's not good enough for Chloe or doesn't deserve Chloe at all relates back to his relationship with Chris, because something that I could totally see is if we're going off of the point of like Tristan trying to get her back, or even if he's not trying to get her back, exhibiting behavior that would lead one to believe that he is, I could so see a really big discrepancy between Chris and the rest of the family. Chris thinking that that is sweet and admirable, that even though he has no shot, the fact that he's even trying and the fact that he still thinks of Chloe that way, no, Chloe shouldn't go back to him. But like the fact that he still views her that way and still wants to be with her is something that is worthy of of being celebrated where the rest of the family is specifically Courtney acknowledging the fact that like this isn't sweet or romantic, it's manipulative and it's never ending and it's harassment at a certain point. Right. And on top of that, as we discussed last week, specifically the message hits harder coming from Courtney, given the way that she feels about Chris. Right. And again, we're like making up something that may not exist. I'm I'm not at all anticipating Tristan to be sitting down with Courtney outlining why he thinks that he can get Chloe back or deserves to have her back. I mean, we're, we're actively making it out like it is the worst possible conversation in terms of what would be the most angering. That is not necessarily the case at all. I'm just like simply curious. I mean, remember two seasons ago, or it may have even been the first season when we were going back and forth for like, I want to say like 30 minutes total we have spent talking about this one line where Chloe says the thing when they're at what we now know to be Courtney's engagement. And she says, I'm so sick of making excuses for all of the men that traumatize us. And we spent so long deciding who that was about what context it was set in. And then we never fucking got the line. Forget about getting the line. They cut out half that scene. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll never get over that. That's my Roman empire. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Honestly, everyone take, take everything that we see in this trailer with a grain of salt because it is absolutely possible they are blue balling us and something will end up being omitted from the actual episode. Absolutely. The other line that we didn't talk about somehow last week, which actually I think the one that I was most excited to talk about was when Kim's on the phone with Courtney and they're having their continuation of a fight. And Kim says, are you really happy? She goes, are you really happy? You're a different person. You hate us. And we all talk about it. Oh, baby. It was interesting to hear her say that to Courtney because I don't think up until this point that is something that they had explicitly said to her, but it is definitely something that they have spoken about, specifically Kim and Chloe. Well, before even getting really into the substance of it, there are just two things that I want to note. Number one, the fact that this is a phone conversation. Because I know in theory you would think, 
a more intimate or more intense conversation would come from them being in person with one another. But I actually would say with Kim and Courtney, it's very possible that a phone conversation could give us more shit like this than we would get in real life. Because (laughs) I say this jokingly, but also kind of serious. Like there is something about talking on the phone with someone when they're not physically in front of you, that if you are mad enough, it can almost momentarily remove their humanity from it. Not to say they wouldn't get into a fight in person, but it's one thing when Kim is sitting on Courtney's bed. It's another thing when they're on speakerphone, she can't even see her and she's just fucking lacing into her. So the fact that the phone call was the medium, I don't want that to be lost on us because it changes the whole tone. Oh, I totally agree. And the other thing to keep in mind from what we saw with their fight last season is that Kim and Courtney didn't really have it out. They both said what they needed to say to other people. But when it came time for them to have this confrontation, Kim was really holding back for the sake of making peace. And she knew how upset Courtney was. And she kind of, I don't want to say caved, but she gave Courtney what she was looking for to some extent while still kind of, you know, maintaining her peace. But they didn't have this big blowout fight. They didn't have this big confrontation. They didn't air it all out. And so the fact that they're now rehashing this fight or the fact that it never got solved is 0% surprising because it was very swept under the rug. And Kim obviously, I'm sure, still has a lot of resentment for how it went down. And Courtney obviously has a lot of resentment towards Kim because she didn't come off the way that she expected to in that fight. Well, by the way, what about the fact that It's not like when the episodes air, it's the first time that they're seeing it. It's not as though you're on a reality show like Housewives where maybe you get the episode a week or two weeks before it goes out. They are all executive producers. So they watch the episodes. They are very involved in the cutting process before anything sees the light of day. And so as we've discussed in the past, maybe in real time, that conversation went well, but like POV, your Courtney watching Kim's Andrea Bocelli confessional for the first time, that in and of itself is going to stir up a whole lot of emotions. I just have to imagine that rewatching everything that went down and then watching it again once it came out and seeing the public reaction, I I just think that must have contributed because even if they were starting to go in a good direction, I I can't envision a world in which that wasn't a little bit of a, a roadblock or pulling them in the opposite direction. Oh, definitely. Especially considering this is one of the most viral moments they have had since Kardashians came back. Right. And the other thing that I wanted to mention when I said the two things, one being the phone conversation, the second is the last line here when Kim says, and we all talk about it. Because I think, forget about Kim and Courtney and forget about even siblings. Any situation where you have a relationship with a person, but it's in the context of a larger group, when there's a circumstance that you have a frustration towards someone, but you know other people also have that frustration because you have been speaking about it. You have to be so overly conscious when raising an issue with them of not making it like a, and by the way, everyone thinks so. We all talked about it. Like if I'm Kim, I'm actively not doing that. Not because she doesn't want to. I'm sure there's part of her that does, but if she's actually trying to get anywhere with Courtney, voicing to her how much everyone else is talking shit is just not the way to do it. So to me, that signals like a pretty high level of rage for her to then you know, play that card. Well, that's the lowest flow. That's what you say when you want something to really fucking hit. Well, right, because that has the intention of wanting to hurt someone. Right. Yeah, you purposely don't say it because you know how much that hurts. Because I don't care who you are. Even Courtney, who, as I've said repeatedly, and I will continuously say it because I, I believe it, I actually think she is as happy in her bubble as she claims to be. Even if that exists, 
it still hurts. It's just a painful line. Nobody wants to hear that everyone is sharing this collective frustration with you and they're finding some camaraderie and talking shit about you. I mean, it brings you back to like middle school, I feel. I think Courtney's as happy in her bubble as she claims to be. I think the question is how much that extends to out of her bubble. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, I'm just so, I'm just so excited to watch this go down. I really, really am. Me too. And let me just wrap this all up by saying anything said about Courtney can be said. Still, I respect the hell out of her for being the one to say that to Tristan. Because so far from what we've seen, not one other person is. Agree. This segment of CBC Hotline is brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Hey guys, my question is obviously about the Kardashians. You often say there are so many little inconsequential questions that you want to ask them. And I'm wondering if you could give us some examples of those questions. I feel like we've been waiting our entire lives for someone to ask us this question because this is the exact type of thing we think about constantly. We think about constantly and we talk about constantly. I have a million different answers to this. Honestly, where my mind goes initially is just everything to do with their glam squads, logistically behind the scenes, financially, meaning like, is everyone just on retainer? And then, you know, they get an additional fee for certain events, but also in terms of availability, like we all know that each of them have their dedicated people, but it's not like Chris Appleton, for example, is only working for Kim. He also does JLo and Dua Lipa and a million other people. So how do they guarantee that full availability? And then also what happens in the event where like, Two sisters want the same person for the same event. Like, I, I just need to know how that works. I am so curious about that too, especially when it comes to Chris Appleton. I feel like him more than anybody else, there is crossover, not just within the family, but crossover in all of Hollywood and potential events that multiple people he's working for would be at at the same time. I also am so curious when it comes to the Glam Squad, less about the logistics and more about the personal relationships and if the mixing business and pleasure has ever been an issue. Because I think we see that a lot in Hollywood where people are really good friends with the people that work for them. But with Kardashians and their Glam Squad, I feel like we see it tenfold. And so I'm so curious if there's ever been a time where that has become an issue. Okay, so where my mind initially goes with that is Joy Spinelli. Yeah. Number one. And Harush, number two. But I don't even necessarily mean a falling out. I mean more so like an issue that they then had to work through. Well, do you remember, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, in Life of Kylie, when Chris basically said to Kylie or to Victoria that she feels like Ariel is getting a little bit too comfortable. It was something like that. Like the mixing of business and pleasure she felt was going to be a little bit detrimental to their working relationship. So interesting. I think I do vaguely remember that. Life of Kylie is like a fever dream to me. The whole thing is a fever dream. But yeah, I mean, that that is just something I'm really curious. Also, by the way, like if we're going event specific, the Met Gala, they all, not every single one of them, but you know, I think it's Jen Atkin, for example, that does or in the past has done a few of them. So how does it work with the time slot? Like, I know you can just figure it out scheduling wise, but I'm sure each of them have the exact time that they want in relation to when the carpet is. Like, I just, it, it feels so minor, but to me, it's so interesting for some reason. No, it is. And also going back to your question about like, who pays for what, who's on retainer, or how does that work? Like, 
I have so many questions about the way they operate financially and who pays for what thing. And I feel like that's something that's come up in interviews before where other people have been curious and late night hosts have kind of asked them that question. Like if you're all out for dinner, who pays? But I mean, I think that the first time that I ever really thought about it is when they went on that trip to Costa Rica and Kim wanted Courtney to pay for the security flight because Courtney's family decided to come. And so therefore they were taking the plane that the security was on. They kicked the security off the private plane and booked them commercial flights. Kim wanted Courtney to pay and Courtney, you know, was saying, isn't this something the show should be paying for? And I feel like that was the first time that we had insight into like, oh, it isn't just as easy as like, okay, it's covered. Like no worries, no stress. Like everything just gets taken care of. The funny thing though, that I wonder is like, isn't technically everything a business expense? Like if you're filming everything, I wonder how, you know, what that looks like in terms of what they're able to quote expense. I know. It's so fascinating. It is true though, that that Costa Rica trip was one of the first times I ever really thought about that when Courtney said it, because you could tell there was some tension there. And isn't it, was it the Christmas party? Yes, the Christmas party. But when they were doing promo and they said, which one of the sisters is the most frugal? I think they either said Courtney or Kendall, right? Yeah, they they said both of them. I think Courtney has kind of notoriously been the one that they would say and point to for that. But Kendall's name comes up too. The Christmas party thing was when they were doing the Christmas party and Kim and Kanye were hosting it. And Kim was like, he needs to like relax a little. Like I had to tell him we're not spending a million dollars on a Christmas party. And I think for us to even hear Kim say there was a limit to what could be spent for one party was like, oh, so you you do think about that. Well, talk about logistics. I'm curious about the, the, all of the kids' birthday parties. Yeah. T- talk to me about that. Talk to me about the relationship with Mindy Weiss. You know, forget about on retainer, but just in terms of availability and all of those different vendors, like they're having, there are so many grandkids and it's, they're not just celebrating birthdays. They're celebrating everything. Like, what does that look like from the POV of, of their assistant? Like, honestly, that the question, here's the thing though, that people like that I would answer to this question. It's really not an inconsequential question to Chris. It's more so an inconsequential question to all of their assistants, because realistically, they are not the ones that are setting up a balloon vendor coming. It is. I mean, the oh God, the assistants hold the key to everything. You know, I was even thinking about that when we were watching <laughs> this episode of Kardashians. And there's a scene where Sky and Courtney are fighting a little bit. And Courtney's assistant is sitting there like kind of just in the room. And for the first portion of the fight, they don't really acknowledge that she's sitting there. And then Scott kind of directs a question to her. But I was just thinking like how many of those things and how many of those little fights and little arguments or hashing it out in some sort of way or things that we would have never thought of. Is there an assistant sitting there that's kind of thinking nothing of it at the time? But if you were to ask her, she'd be like, oh boy, the stories do I have? Like that to me is so crazy for like even the people they trust the most that isn't blood to be in there for those things because there's always somebody around. There's always security around. There's always assistants around. There's always chefs around. There's always somebody there. It's rare that I feel like they have a moment of like absolute alone time. Oh, I mean, talk about a time I would just die to be a fly on the wall. I don't know. There's there's a million things we could answer to this. Honestly, we could probably and maybe should do an entire episode on it, but amazing question. Thank you for asking. I can personally say I have been dying for someone to ask me that. Me too. I'm nothing but grateful for that question. Thank you to our sponsor, Metro by T-Mobile. At Metro by T-Mobile, there's not a yada yada, which means wireless without the gotcha. 
Okay, so now back to our Keeping Up recaps, where we left you last time with Season 7, Episode 2. And this week, we're quickly going to glaze over Episode 3 and 4 and really move on to Episode 5, because talk about substance. Episode 5 fucked me up. Episode 5 fucked me up. That is such good television, Julie. I know. Okay, so 3 and 4, I'm not even going to lie to you guys, we're not doing. Like, it's just... You don't have time for it. We don't have time for it. Great for Kim if she wants to wear a wig and have fun to distract herself from the Chris Humphreys divorce. We don't need to be sitting here in 2023 deep diving that. Episode four, again, happy for Chris if she feels that she has a partial career in music management and Caitlin is upset that she doesn't want to manage Brandon and Leah. Again, fine to watch. No need for us to deep dive that, especially when we have episode five waiting for us, which has so much content to analyze. Can we just make one note about episode four so that people don't think that we forgot about it? Yes. <laughs> episode four is the infamous Scott and Courtney episode where Courtney has been watching a ton of romantic movies and rom-coms and she is expressing to Scott how badly she wants that romance in her life and how she wants her life to feel more like a movie with him. And he thinks she's crazy and he's like, this stuff isn't real. Like you are watching movies, you are getting these ideas in your head and you have some expectation of what relationships are and what love is that is based entirely in fiction. And so he does the whole thing where he, you know, does his own version of the notebook and, you know, pretends to nail something to the side of the house and tells her that he wrote her 99 text messages, which is just a hilarious scene in general. And I think one of everybody's favorite Kardashian scenes, the reason that I will say it's noteworthy as you're watching it and not to get into the full thing, but when Travis and Courtney got together and he was doing these grand displays of love for her and these grand gestures for her. Everybody went back to this episode of her expressing her desire for those types of things with Scott and Scott telling her it's just not how relationships work. And so it was so interesting to hit that point in our rewatch. Yes. And I will tell you that not that I needed something to make me understand why Courtney is so drawn to the romance that Travis shows her. Watching this did make that hit even harder because for so many years, she, yes, in this one episode, it was dramatized, but generally speaking, she wanted something that Scott, even on his best day, just couldn't provide because that's just not the way that he shows love. And for Courtney, it was and is important. And so, yes, watching an episode like that certainly does give you a little bit more context as to why for Courtney, what she feels she's currently living really is a fairy tale. Definitely. Okay, strap in, you guys, because episode five is not fucking around. The way that we're going to do this, we have it outlined scene by scene, but realistically, we will probably skip over any scene that's not Chris because that is just so the main focus here. And Scott having nights out on the town with Kim, like fun to watch, but nothing crazy to say. Do you agree with that? I know that's what we had discussed previously. Is that how you still feel? I do feel that way, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like nervous for this one. I, it, it really was like, like a intense watch, no? Yes, like a million percent yes. And I was doing that thing again where I was trying to remember how I felt the first time watching it. And I would say that I felt that same level of anxiety. Like I watched this episode as if I had never seen it before. Yes, same, same, a thousand percent same. Okay, opening scene, we have Caitlin, Kylie, and Chris sitting in the kitchen. Total side note, I do really miss the debriefs they had around the table in that kitchen. I miss that old house so much. Yeah, some shit went down there. Yeah. So they're sitting around... Kylie is taking a selfie and texting it to someone. And Chris says to Caitlin, do you know that you've sent me probably three texts since we've been married? Like you've never sent me a sexy text ever. Caitlin goes, God, honey, is that what you need to get off on now? Chris says, you got to learn to spice it up a little bit. And 
Chris is joking, saying they're going to play a food association game. She's like mixing this batter, asking Caitlin what it reminds her of. There's one very funny part where Chris holds up this long asparagus and she's like, and what does this remind you of? And Caitlin's like, Lamar? No, that killed me. Killed me. Especially Kylie sitting right there. (laughs) They always had such an open dialogue in that house or the jokes are always so open in that house that sometimes you forget that Kendall and Kylie at that age are like, literally in high school. Like there is something about thinking about them being in high school and having to listen to Chris and Caitlin talk like that, where you're like, oh, wow, they really, they really push the boundaries sometimes. I mean, they did grow up quick. (laughs) Very. Yeah. Okay. Again, like I'm telling you, we're fast forwarding to the scenes with Chris because we, we just, we just have to do that. So Chris is at her tennis lesson. And while she's on the court, she looks up and she sees a guy that looks familiar. She asks the instructor who it is, and he says, it's Todd Waterman. And it cuts to her confessional where she gives the audience context. Again, pretend like you're watching this for the first time around. The name Todd Waterman is maybe familiar, but it's not ringing the kind of bell that it is now. And she says, Todd Waterman, really? The Todd Waterman that I left Robert Kardashian for? I just can't seem to escape my past lately. It's been over 23 years since I've even laid eyes on him, but suddenly it feels like yesterday. Okay. I'm already like, why am I freaking out? Can I ask you a question that might pull the curtain back too much and you can say no? Yeah, I know what you're going to say, but yes. Is it possible that this run-in actually organically happened? I don't entirely know, but I will go far enough to say it doesn't even really change things for me if it was planned because that factually was Todd Waterman. And every interaction surrounding it was to me as real as it gets. Meaning you don't sit down with Kim and Chloe and have these conversations about a, a man who factually caused a lot of trauma in their upbringing without there being something there. So yes, I'm going to go as far as to say, even if it on some level was planned, everything around it was how she was actually processing it. I think that's how I feel. Anyway, so she tells the instructor she's going to go get water and she goes up to him and says hi. And initially it's kind of this awkward hello. And she says in her confessional, I was really crazy about Todd and Todd was really crazy about me. But I think that Todd was very, very young and probably way too young to settle down with one person. And when she leaves the club, but she's on her way outside and she says to production, he looked like he wanted to talk to me. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go wait over there for a second. And you see they're filming them from far away, but she's still mic'd up, which is why, I don't know, there's a part of me that I'm sure most people listening would be like, are you fucking kidding me? It's the most produced thing ever. Just just let me believe that it's not, because it's more fun for me to watch that way. If this didn't happen around the time of the book, I would say craziest coincidence of all time. Like I would say that is so crazy that after 25 years, they run into each other. Because it was so close to the release of the book and all of this stuff was coming up again and all of the stuff was coming up for the first time, that's why I was like, I'm suspicious here. Like, I agree. The way that it was filmed, the production of it, them, you know, hiding behind the car with the camera shooting them with her mic'd up. Like, I agree. It wasn't so overly produced to the point where you would say like, oh, this is bullshit. But the timeline of it all made it feel a little bullshit to me. Right, right. Very, very possible and probably more likely. But again, let's just go into that world because it's more fun for the moment. So again, she's still mic'd up. They're filming it from far away. He comes over to her, asks how she's doing. They're catching up for a second. And he says he's shaking. And he asks if he looks older. And she's like, no, you look good. And she points out the white in his beard saying it's making him look a little bit more distinguished. And she says, that means that you've hopefully learned something in age and matured and all that shit. 
And in her confessional, she says, when I did write about him in my memoir, I didn't want to expose his identity because I would never compromise his privacy. But he came out and talked about our relationship. And Todd is saying to her, again, we see them far away, but we can hear them because she's mic'd up, saying that, you know, a lot of the stuff that came out about them was really twisted. And he's saying, you know, I sent you emails, but you never responded. And she's like, oh, you probably don't have the right email for me anymore. And she gives him a hug goodbye. And he's like, I'm not going to want to let go. And before they leave each other, he makes sure that he has the right email address and she gives him the email address of her business partner. So you hear her saying, Noel at whatever.com, Noel is her business partner. Okay, let's pause for a second before she calls Noel. Holy shit. I, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the right emotion to assign to how I felt watching it and how I feel talking about it right now. And I'm struggling a little, but it's certainly something. Well, I think what it is, is that you just watched Kris Jenner, this fucking powerhouse woman who you have seen on your screen in many different states, but usually in a state when she needs to be calm, cool, and collected, she is calm, cool, and collected. And we saw her turn into a puddle in front of this guy. Yeah. A thousand percent. And also, you know, it's not like this is our first time hearing about the affair. We've known about this affair for years. And so to then kind of see the person in the flesh and watch that interaction, you felt like you were seeing something you weren't supposed to see. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. So she gets in the car, she calls Noelle, she's kind of just debriefing her. And Noelle asks if Chris is going to tell Caitlin about the run-in. And at first Chris hesitates, but she's like, you know what, of course I have to tell her. I feel like Caitlin's been a part of the story since, you know, we we first met. I I do have to fill her in. And she explains in her confessional how, you know, Caitlin was there when she was breaking up with Todd. It's not like this is a life that Caitlin didn't know about. And she tells Noelle that when Todd asked for her email, she gave him Noelle. She's like, so don't freak out if you may get some steamy emails from Todd. But even just her saying that, yeah, it was kind of joking in nature, but she could tell based on the interaction that like that wouldn't have been the craziest thing. Based on the interaction and also based on her history, like this is, she picked up, I would say, in one second of interacting with him that he is the same guy she knew 25 years ago. I also want to say, not that it is overly relevant in the scheme of things, but it was an interesting decision to start off this episode with a scene of Chris and Caitlin where Chris is, you know, really shedding light on the fact that she feels like the sexiness and the romance in their relationship has kind of fizzled or that she doesn't feel like they sex, that they do these things to keep it hot and heavy. And then this happens. Like, again, obviously a production call, but interesting because as we know, their marriage was actively unraveling. And a piece of that, not the overwhelming factor, but certainly a piece of that was 
that aspect was not there. And I actually would go as far as to say that was more important for Chris than it ever was for Caitlin. Like Chris is a very sexual person. She needs that to fulfill her. And I don't think that she was getting that. I'm not saying they weren't having sex necessarily, but like, I don't think she was getting that energy or feeling, you know, wanted or like, you're going to hate that I'm about to use this word, but just hear me like, she, she wasn't feeling like naughty, you know? Ew. I know you were going to hate that, but you know what I mean? It's you true. hated it too. I hated it too, but I couldn't think of a better word. If you want me to think of a better Ew, word. There was like a hundred thousand better words. Like you didn't even have to want like use a word that meant the same thing. Okay. Uh, but, no, so. no, we're keeping it in. Like you have to sit with it now. So we're moving on. <laughs> I don't even think British people should be saying that word. And it's like part of their everyday vernacular. All right. Go on. All that. right. Wrap it up. Super yeah, nanny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I feel about Chris and Caitlin's sex life is that I actually think they were both very sexual people. I just think that as they were having more issues in their relationship, they started to pull away from each other in that area. So it's not like they didn't have the same needs. I actually think they had the same needs. I just think they didn't want them met by the other person or maybe Caitlin didn't want them met by Chris, but Chris was still happy to have them met by Caitlin. Because I think that also there was a way that Chris made Caitlin feel that I think Caitlin felt unsexy to Chris. Like Caitlin was constantly being put down by Chris. Caitlin felt like she was constantly being nagged by Chris. She also didn't feel like she was getting attention from Chris. And like all of that stuff I think led to not only what happened in their relationship, but also like what happened in the bedroom with them. Oh, totally. I mean, there was a there was a palpable level of emasculation occurring. Yeah. Anyway, so Chris gets home. She goes upstairs and she immediately tells Caitlin about the Todd run-in. And in Caitlin's confessional, she says, the last time I talked to this guy was right after I'd met Chris. And he was literally calling me out on the phone, ready to fight me. 20 years later, why would she even talk to him? She should have never done that. And Caitlin says to Chris, I would have told him off. I wish I was there. And Chris says to Caitlin what she said to Todd, which we didn't see this on camera, but she said that she said to Todd, I, you know, I very calmly said, I wouldn't have done it the way that you did it. And I think that you were disrespectful. And in her confessional, Chris is saying that, you know, she never had secrets or been shady with Caitlin. So she's definitely not going to start now. And obviously she wants to share with Caitlin the entire interaction. Caitlin goes, so how did you leave it? Chris says, I said goodbye. I hugged him goodbye. Caitlin goes, oh, what'd you hug him for? She goes, I don't know. And then she tells Caitlin about how when Todd hugged her, he said, I don't want to let go. Caitlin goes, oh God. So did you get his number or something? She's like, no, I didn't get his number. Caitlin says, email address. Chris goes, I gave him Noel's. Caitlin's like, why'd you even give him that? Chris says, I can't just tell him I'm not going to give him my information. And Caitlin says, oh, please, did you get his? She goes, no, I didn't get his. What do I want his email for? And in her confessional, she's just saying, you know, she really doesn't feel like there's anything wrong with giving Todd the email address. She's like, I'm not doing anything wrong or concealing anything or sneaking around. And Caitlin says to Chris, he was a scumbag back then and he still is. The whole thing is fucking wild. But I think that's something that this episode really clarified for me, which I think I knew but didn't fully realize was the timeline of it all. Like Chris really went from her relationship and her marriage with Robert into this relationship with Todd, right into this relationship with Caitlin. There was never a time period where Chris was single. No, not at all. And you can tell, especially as we go through this, that there's a lot of unresolved things there that potentially could have been worked out in a period of single life earlier on. But yeah, I mean, there, there's so much here. I also want to say, kind of unrelated to this, but when she's filling Caitlin in and one of the first things Caitlin says is, so how'd you leave it? That is like the 
ultimate debrief line. Like that's the first question you ask anytime someone's filling you in on the interaction. It's always like, okay, so how'd you leave it? It is the ultimate debrief line. And every single one of them that Chris talks to about it, ask that question of, okay, so how'd you leave it? Yeah. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But is it a time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. Okay, so next scene, Chris is at work at the Jenner Communications office and Noelle comes in holding her phone and she's like, you're gonna die. And she asked Chris, what's Snooka? Obviously, Todd had emailed Noelle addressing her thinking she's Chris as Snooka and Chris and her confessionals filling in, you know, the audience saying that it's just a little nickname that Todd gave me 25 years ago. And she's saying, and Noel, he only called me Snooka. He never called me Chris. And so Chris takes her phone and she writes back, hi, Todd, kind of weird that I've never run into you in 24 years. Life has been really good to both of us. And for that, I'm grateful. I wish you nothing but good things. All the best. And Noel asks, you know, do you think that he wants to see you? Which obviously he is dying to see her. You know, that's got to be a crazy feeling for Chris for 25 years to have passed from the temptation of this relationship in the first place and then have nothing basically change. Like, it's not just like, oh, I, I, I see this guy and it's been 25 years and we had this history and I, you know, still feel a certain way about him. And I still feel shaky when I see him. And I still feel anxiety when I see him. Like it's all of that on top of the fact that he is basically treating her as if they saw each other the day before, or as if it has been a year that's passed. Well, so I was about to say that, like in order to even engage in this conversation, obviously we have to put a pause on this in the greater context of like, obviously she's fucking married to Caitlin. And also this is a relationship that caused her now adult kids a lot of trauma. There's no reason, everyone is right in that there is no reason in this current moment that she should be engaging with him in any long form of a way. So that aside, like fine, if I'm her and I have not seen him in 25 years and I run into him at a fucking tennis lesson when she, you know, she can tell it even when she hugged him, like she wasn't feeling the best about how she looked. If she knew she was going to be seeing him, she maybe wouldn't have chosen that outfit necessarily. And like, he is clearly as into her today as he was 25 years ago. Anything else aside, especially if she wasn't feeling as desired in her marriage, it must feel really good for her that she can tell she's being so desired. Yeah. And, but I think it's the exact same feeling she had when the affair first happened 25 years ago. Right. Exactly. And it's like, this whole thing is crazy. It was crazy to watch unfold. Okay. So we are now back at the office. Noelle's talking to Chris and Noelle's telling Chris that Todd emailed again, saying that he felt like their initial run-in was a little bit awkward and he wants to meet up with her. 
And Chris is reading the email out loud, which says, if you really want to reflect and cover some serious topics, I'd be open to that. Always, Todd. And Noelle's asking Chris, you know, do you want to meet up with him? She's like, I I don't know. It's all very confusing. She says, I mean, I still think about him from time to time. My life is really happy now. I'm content. I'm in a really good place. It could be bad to have a meeting with him. And in her confessional, she's saying that there wasn't really much resolution to the actual breakup of her relationship with Todd. And then weeks later, she found herself in a relationship with Caitlin. And she's like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff there that's unfinished. And she says to Noelle, I don't want to write him back until I've really had the time to think about what I want to say. And when she goes back in to talk to Noelle, she's saying how, you know, this whole thing has kind of just been eating away at her. And she's bugging out a little bit because of all the emails going back and forth. And the more she thinks about it, the more she just wants to text him and say, you know what? Yeah, I I do want to talk. And in her confessional, she says that sometimes she doesn't deal with things and she blocks them out of her head. And she's like, the breakup with Todd was so quick and cold turkey. And what I think I really do need from that is closure. And so she says to Noelle, you know, I feel like there's something that I have to say and it doesn't need to be said through email. And when she's sitting there talking to Noelle about it, she starts to cry. And she's like, I'm almost angry that I still have tears after all of this time because it it sucks. Like I, I, she doesn't want to be feeling like this. I think she's even surprised herself that she's having this reaction. And, you know, she's then saying, I can't sleep anymore. I just need to get some of this off my chest. She's like, I don't want to have something that I need to say or want to say to someone and not be able to say it. You know, I want to be able to say, this is what you did to me and this is how it made me feel. And in her confessional, she's expressing how all of these things are being churned up in her brain. And she's like, I don't know how to handle it. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And when I get overwhelmed, I get really emotional. And you can see that's very much what's happening here. Chris needed someone to come in, shake her a little bit and explain to her that closure is a myth, right? And also, even if consciously it was, quote, closure that she was seeking or that she felt she needed in order to move forward, she was saying that not because she maybe didn't think it, but also because in the grand scheme of things, closure is a more acceptable thing to desire. Whereas I also think there was a part of her that wanted to see him because she wanted that feeling of those butterflies. She wanted that rush. And it's just a far easier pill to swallow when explaining it to someone of like, you know, I think that I just at this point in my life need closure than it is to say, I just want to get that rush because when I saw him, something came over me. Like you, you can't say that. Of course. I mean, no matter what way you put this, objectively, her going to see him is wrong. And it's not just the fact that here's this guy that she had an affair with 25 years ago and she doesn't really need to see somebody that she had this past with. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think there's a lot of people who can see their ex-boyfriend of 25 years or see somebody who had that big of an impact in their life 25 years later, even not that many years later, and have it really just be about catching up or really just be about seeing where the other is in their lives. But this is a very specific scenario where the power that he holds over her is so undeniable that you're playing with fire. It's not always playing with fire. People can do this very successfully and have really valid reasons behind wanting to do it and have it be no problem at all. But this is an example for Chris where it's like, oh, you are you are touching the fire in your fucking hands. Oh my God. She's like, she's making the fire. She right. is the fire. She's one with the fire. Yeah. So, okay. By the way, I know we're fast forwarding through all the scenes that are not Chris. As a side plot to all of this, this is the episode where Kendall and Kylie spill the spaghetti sauce on Chris's carpet, which ends up actually kind of being a smoking gun in all of this based on her reaction, which we'll touch on in a little. But watching Kendall and Kylie go out to like the carpet cleaning store was 
certainly something to watch. I love them at this age. It's unfortunate because none of their plots are big enough to actually really get into because it's just them fucking around as teenagers and going through the normal things of being teenagers while also being Jenner Kardashians. But just watching them at this specific age, at this specific point in time is so much fun. It's it's so much fun, yeah. So Chris is sitting in glam with Kim. Again, they're away, which is why Kendall and Kylie have the time to clean up the stain on the carpet. And Chris says to Kim, Kim, do you think it's wrong that I have a mad crush on Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Again, we, we've spoken about this concept. There's always something crazy about them mentioning another celebrity who's like so not in their realm in the show. It always feels like, wait, Ariana, what are you doing here? This is exactly how it feels, but specifically for it to be Alec Baldwin. It's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> what a random person. And Kim is saying, you know, well, I guess it's kind of embarrassing because you're married, but I guess you're allowed to have crushes when you're married. And then Chris says, well, speaking of, and she then tells Kim about the email from Todd. And Kim goes, why you're even talking to your ex-boyfriend is just so beyond me. Chris goes, well, I was thinking about kind of just seeing him one more time, maybe. Kim goes, are you on crack? Seriously? And in her confessional, Kim says, it's a little scary having my mom run into this guy that changed her life so much. If he was able to break up a marriage with four kids, you just hope that there's no feelings left there. Kim goes, do you want to still be married? Chris says, yes. Kim goes, then stay far away from him. He already ruined your first marriage. What if he begs you and is like, please, let's give it one more shot, Snuka. I just hope you're doing it for the right reasons. And side note, which we'll get into in a second, like they all know about the Snuka thing. That is like certainly a thing that they are all very aware of. And Kim then asks Chris if she's going to tell Caitlin. And you know, what if Caitlin says she doesn't want you to meet with him? And Chris is like, well, I'll have to cross that bridge when I get to it. The talking to Kim and Chloe about this was like really sending me in this episode. I'll say one thing. She knew a hell of a lot better than to talk to Courtney about it because that would have resulted in all out warfare. But even still, these are, you know, your kids who were like actively traumatized by this entire situation. I mean, listen, one of the things that we have always loved about the Kardashians and the show is that there is a certain boundary of parent-child relationships, specifically with Chris and the girls, that gets pushed. Perfect example was the first scene with Chris and Caitlin and Kylie, where you know they're talking about Caitlin not sending her sexy text messages, and Caitlin asking her, "Is that what you need to get off now?" Like all of that occurring in front of Kylie is certainly pushing the envelope of like what most parents would talk about in front of their kids, and I think that with everything that we've seen on the show, even at times where we're like, oh, wow, that's really boundary pushing. It has always been in like good fun. I would say that this episode is the first time where I felt like you're pushing the boundary in a way that is genuinely wrong. Seek out the advice of your kids, no matter how old they are, about what you should do and whether or not you should meet with the man that caused you to have an affair and break up the marriage between you and their father and then ask them if they think it's a good idea for you to see them is like one of the most inappropriate things I can think of. Like that is a really crazy, insane position to put your kids in, whether or not they're reacting in the way that Courtney would or not. In the words of Rick, that is not Stockholm. <laughs> that is nuts.com. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you can tell that Kim also is like feeling as though she's in the Truman Show. Yeah. And it's like, they've, you know, become so accustomed to this relationship that they have with Chris, 
where I think their favorite part of it is how open they are with each other and the way that they can have this very unique, close relationship with her. But God, yeah. What a position to have to put your kids in. And even Kim's in there. Because also, by the way, it's not like she's seeking the advice of her kids and she's single or she's seeking the advice of her kids and she's married to somebody that her girls don't have a relationship with. Her marriage is with somebody that they see as a second parent, as somebody who has taken over the role of their father since their own father passed away. Like, this is not just somebody random that she would be hurting by doing this. Like, this is somebody that they deeply love and respect. So on top of how inappropriate it is to be seeking their own advice, it's also inappropriate to put them in a position where it's like, wait, but you're not just going to betray our stepdad like that. Well, and also... Caitlin being the father of their half-sisters. It's messy. Yeah, it's messy. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so the next scene, Chris and Rob are now in Dallas visiting Chloe, and Chloe brings up that she heard that Chris had a run-in with Todd. And Chris is like, I mean, yeah, I was physically shaking. I was so nervous. She's like, and you know, he did age really well. And Chloe goes, ooh, you're giving me the creeps now. I spent the most time with this guy, and I remember like activities I did with him. You would pull parties at the house, downstairs with him. I remember them. But it's weird that I can't remember what he looks like. And in her confessional, Chloe says, this whole Todd situation is very uncomfortable for me in general. I was around four. And of course at four, I don't know that Todd is not supposed to be around, which like all of us, like already I'm, holy shit. Like she's really tuning me into a time that obviously was pre-cameras, pre-fame in this type of way. And I just, it really hit me in that moment of like how deep this goes, you know? It was also pre-divorce. <laughs> yeah. And so she... As Caitlin did, and as we discussed in classic debrief fashion, asked Chris, you know, so how'd you leave things? And Chris was saying that, you know, Todd mentioned he would really like to see her again. And she's like, maybe we should do it so it isn't so awkward. And Chloe goes, uh, Snooka, again, everyone knows that that is his like pet name for her. And Chloe's just saying, you know, Caitlin is going to kill you. And Chloe's saying that, you know, even if Caitlin doesn't say anything, she's probably thinking it because of obviously what transpired with Chris and Robert, and it's only natural that Caitlin would have that reaction. And Chris is like, yeah, Caitlin is probably thinking if it happened before, it could happen again. Chloe goes, I mean, I would think that. And Chris says, I don't want you to worry about me. The guy cheated on me and I'll never get over it. And Chloe in her confessional says, my mom was young. We all make mistakes, but why are you still talking about it? And she asks Chris if she's going to meet up with him again. And she goes, well, I might. She's like, but why do you want to play with fire? Why do you want to see him again? And Chris says, this isn't somebody that I met and knew for a week and I can just brush off. And in her confessional, Chloe says, I feel like this chapter in her life should be way closed. I don't know if she would even tell anyone if she met up with him. She would just do what she did the last time. And Chris says, I don't look at it like I'm playing with fire. I'm looking at it like I have a few things that I'd like to say to him. 
Chloe says, meaning what? Chris goes, I got divorced. I left my husband for this guy. Well, what you see happen here, which we kind of spend the whole episode wondering, which is like, what is it that Chris is looking for closure from? Because we don't have that full understanding watching the episode. And so she finally hits this point where she says, he cheated on me. And so what you really come to understand is there are so many different factors here. There's this hold that he has over her. There's this attraction she feels towards him. There's this attraction he clearly feels towards her. But on top of that, she's butthurt that she got cheated on still. And she still feels like because of the way that he felt about her and the fact that she blew up her marriage for him, there is still this open-endedness to the fact that he left her and he was the one that cheated on her. And so all of this is coming up 25 years later, but the way that Chris is reacting to it is as if it's like a very, very fresh wound. Okay, yes, a thousand percent. That's why her eventually saying to Chloe, you know, he cheated on me. I left my I, husband for this guy. He cheated on me, like is so telling because as you said, it really gets to the root of what she was trying to accomplish when she says closure. But also going back to my point earlier, which is like anything else aside, her in this one little interaction at the tennis center, feeling so desired by him was hitting on something for her. It was also hitting on something for her because of what went down with them. And I'm not saying that that's healthy. Like, obviously the whole thing is a, is a toxic mental cycle that she's in, but like specifically knowing that him cheating on her was such a motivating factor in her wanting to have this conversation. The fact that he was showing the level of interest that he was certainly contributed to wanting to, to meet up with him even more. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so Chris is now back from Dallas and she's saying in her confessional that, you know, she thought being back from Dallas, she would have a little bit more clarity as to what she should do about seeing Todd. And she's like, you know, I talked to Kim and Chloe and I thought that maybe they would help me decide, but I'm the only one who actually knows what's inside my heart and my heart is still saying that I need to see him. So now Kim and Chris are both getting ready upstairs in Chris's bathroom. They're not going to the same thing, but they're getting ready together. And Chris is all dressed up in the sequin outfit and Kim asks where she's going. She's like, oh, I'm just going to run some errands. She's like, in that jacket? She's like, yeah, do you think it looks cute? Like, if you saw me, would you say she looks cute? Kim's like, I would go, oh, she looks cute leaving the Oscars. And Rob comes in. They're kind of just fucking around with her. Rob's like, I'm pretty sure little Wayne wears that to the Lakers games. <laughs> and when Chris leaves, Kim says to Rob, I don't know. I think that she's being weird. I kind of feel like she's going to meet up with her ex-boyfriend, Todd. Like, I hope she learned her lesson the first time and that she's not meeting up with him, but like, I just kind of have that feeling. And Rob goes, why would she do that? If she messes up at this age, she's done because why would you want to start over? Okay. This is getting, I, I, again, we watched this episode many times before. We know what ends up happening, but still watching it and even discussing it right now, I'm like getting antsy. Me too. That's how I felt the entire episode though. Okay, so they all go downstairs and now just quickly calling back to the plot of Kendall and Kylie spilling the spaghetti sauce on the rug when they finally come clean to Chris about like, by the way, we're so sorry, but we kind of ruined your rug. She could not be more nonchalant about it. Gives them the name of who they should contact and that's it. And like her reaction of being so unbothered by something that every single person there was expecting her to lose it about definitely clued Kim a little bit more into like, wait, something is definitely going on here because- the only thing that would make her react like this is if something far bigger was distracting her. By the way, as anxious as I was for this entire Chris and Todd Waterman plot is exactly how anxious I was for her to figure out what happened with that rug. And so when it doesn't go down like that, I completely 
completely understood how Kim was like, okay, something is like very, very off here because I was like, she's going to lose it. She's going to lose it. It's okay, Kendall and Kylie, like you're going to be okay. Like I've seen your future. I know what happens and you will make it through this. And so when she doesn't react, even I had the exact same reaction of Kim is like, wait, aren't you going to like get mad? Like I know if Kim and Courtney did that, they would, they would be grounded for a week. Right. Like, the, but the only thing that would make her not care about them spilling spaghetti sauce on this like ridiculously expensive rug is if she was gearing up to go see Todd Waterman. Like, that's the only thing that's going to take her mind off of it. Right. AKA, she has her mind on something else. She is late for that thing. But also, you can't get mad at somebody for spilling pasta sauce when you're about to do something a million times worse. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, the way that this episode concludes is she gets in her white G Wagon, goes on her way. Kim and Rob start following her. They end up losing her on the freeway and it ends with black screen, white writing to be continued. So we will pick up next week. But in this current moment, she is certainly on her way. You know, we pick up next week with not only this interaction, but we're going to the Dominican Republic, baby. And when they go to the Dominican Republic, she still hadn't told Caitlin. Like the preview for next week is them sitting down and Courtney calling her out and Caitlin being like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, by the way, anything else aside, that is worst case scenario. Caitlin doesn't know and Courtney's the one to tell her. No, that is my nightmare blunt rotation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking same. All right, guys, well, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We'll see you later this week for Bravo and we'll be back next week for one hell of an episode. 